From the Mid-South Van Studio in Hernando, Mississippi, Rooster Production presents Under the Water Tower. And now, here are your hosts, Derek Biglane and Matt Crane. Morning, Matt. Morning, Derek. Well, it's getting close to Labor Day weekend, first break of the year for the kids who have been in school, probably for a total of, what, two or three weeks. And I had five months off, but uh, I know I'm looking forward to it. And hopefully, you know, that a lot of people are getting out of town this weekend just for a, you know, just for a break. Oh, yeah. Labor Day's a great holiday. Looking forward to a long weekend. I know the kids have been working hard three straight weeks of school. So uh, definitely looking forward to the time off. And um, and normally, you know, during Labor Day, we'd be talking about the first, you know, week one of college football. However, that's been postponed for a little while till the 26th coming up. So we've got a couple of weeks. Actually, there were, I'll take that back. There was a game last night uh the actually triple games uh usm golden eagles uh versus south alabama that was a game i was watching for a short time and then we also had central arkansas their second game in a row on tv uh which i'm sure has never happened before versus uab so a couple games last night but the main meet of the of course the sec schedule will start on september 26th college football the, the big time college football comes later on but you're right central arkansas uh, definitely america's team right now for the first two weeks of the year on tv more than the uh more than the dallas cowboys really and we'll also be on TV more than the Big Ten before October this year. That's right. We can talk more about the Big Ten uh, some other time. I mean, a lot of stuff going on there. But And something else I sent you, Derek, was so the Pac-12 can now test players within 15 minutes for fall sports that they are not having. Correct. So that's uh, it's quite a breakthrough. But we probably need to leave the football till later on today because today will be our football preview show for all of the local high school teams. Really excited about that. I want to go on record, though, to let you know that one of the teams will not be playing tonight. Uh, we will not be previewing the North Point game. Uh, the program has been quarantined for two weeks uh, due to coronavirus issues. So for this week and for next week, the district game that was scheduled for tonight will be rescheduled on October 23rd versus St. George's. The non-district game, which was next week against Millington Central, currently has not been rescheduled and not sure it will be. And that's is that because uh, of being a Tennessee school or y'all, they're going to play the district games more importantly? Or something right, like they're that, trying to yeah. get the district games in. We had one open date uh, because of another team, I think I believe a Mississippi team, that we could no longer play when those schedules were pushed out two weeks. So we had an open date on the 23rd. Luckily, St. George's did too. And so they were able to replace that game. But I, I, However, the Millington game, you know, unless they extend the season by another week for a non-conference game, I just don't see that happening. But again, I'm not saying that's a definite fact. They make it work it in. Another how, they make it make it a J game I'm not sure uh, but right now uh, they that's not that's up in the air uh, I mean it's interesting I mean that's the the state of the world today uh, the changes that have to kind of happen on the fly with football and, and school and, and the different things tonight Derek the uh, the lights come on at Jenkins Field tonight not far from where we live right here in Hernando as the Hernando Tigers host the South Panola Tigers in the first uh, football game in Hernando uh, of the season so really excited the um, government uh, fans into the stadium so 25 percent capacity so uh, I'm very excited for a lot of people I think around a thousand people or so maybe can go tonight to the game I'm, I'm trying to get a ticket see if i can go should be a hot, hot ticket and uh the weather's going to be great so uh if, if you're not a fan of high school football or you just didn't want football to happen this year i'm sorry because it's happening right here in hernando tonight at jenkinsville so we'll get into that again uh it'll be the last segment of the show today uh, but before that um wanted just to kind of you know catch up wanted to see that you know hopefully that everybody will have a, a safe trip going down you know wherever y'all may be going for a labor day weekend it is a good time to get away if you're able to of course there are also a lot of restrictions there are still some flare-ups in different parts of the the country i do know that several of the hot spots you know i know hilton head's a hot spot i believe uh, i also saw uh gatlinburg is a hot spot that, that 
uh, heavy bookings this weekend. So a lot of the, you know, a lot of people are getting. Well, I know a couple of people are going to Orange Beach area, uh, Destin area for the week for a long weekend. So again, if you're able to do that, please be careful. I'm sure there's a, a way they can get there, Matt. Podcast brought to you by Mid South Vans, located right here in Hernando. Phone number 662-469-4555. They have 12 and 15 passenger vans available for all your daily, weekly, or monthly needs. That's 662-469-4555 for Mid South Vans. All right, so before we get into the football talk, I want to reach a look at a couple of things that are happening both on the state level and the local level. First of all, hope uh, everybody saw that the Mississippi has narrowed its decision down to one uh, one flag. It'll be one flag that will be voted on in November. I hope everybody was able to see that. It's the Magnolia flag. It's got uh, blue and red with a slight thin yellow stripe separating them. It's uh, the Magnolia surrounded by 20 stars, of course, Mississippi being the 20th state. Uh, and then also there's one gold star on top. And the gold star represents the Indian nations that were here before Spanish, British, French came in. The, the flag is up. Uh, you know whether you, you know. So I know some people like the shield flag better. To be honest, when the the original nine were put out there, this was the flag that I I liked the best. Um, of course, when it was narrowed down to five, it was still there. And then of course, it's the final one. So again, th- that will be on the ballot in November on November third. So the presidential election. There'll be some Mississippi uh, court elections. Of course, we'll have our senator election for the the Mike Espy versus Cindy Hyde Smith. So all that'll be on the ballot. Include and then also this resolution uh, for the new state flag. There will only be this state flag. It's a yes or no vote. And so that's kind of how that's working. And uh, so look forward to that in November. Matt, what are your uh, thoughts on the flag? It is what it is, Derek. I mean, uh, looking at the flag last night uh, seems pretty enough to me. I, I, I kind of like some of the other flags that, that were out there that maybe weren't even voted on that I've seen around the, the internet and so forth. I thought maybe were a bit prettier. But again, it's not a opinion situation or a voting type thing. On November 3rd, it is a yes or no, up and down. Uh, there's going to be X amount of people that vote obviously uh, that are still upset about their, this even being an issue so that you're going to get a lot of no votes there but uh, I think it's going to pass uh, I think it you know it's it's a move in this new world it's it's a move in the right direction for uh, uh, business and commerce and stuff like that different hurdles that Mississippi already has to jump through uh, this just kind of changes things on that having a new flag I believe is the right move now whether this flag is the perfect flag for the state of Mississippi that's everybody has their own opinion but I do believe that uh, it's, it's it's a good thing uh, I'm glad it's on the ballot hopefully you know just I guess for Again, personal opinion. I hope that it does pass. Just to put the issue behind us, so we can have something going forward, something less that the national media can talk about, and we can start focusing on all the good things that Mississippi's doing uh, during this time. So uh, that that was narrowed down. One of the things. The other thing that was hey, real, real quick, Derek. So yeah. one thing. My thoughts on that. So all the all the the different talk about the state flag and and holding holding us back and doing those different things and all the stuff that we can sit here and talk about and have talked about for years since you and I have both. I mean, you grew up in Mississippi. I grew up in Louisiana. So the same people that have been saying that for the number of years. And, and, and using the flag as an excuse. I hope those people take this new flag and they go out across the world looking for business and commerce to come to the state of Mississippi. Well, I agree. So every Boy, excuse agree. that they gave, I hope they go and work just as hard in the anger that they and the passion they had in. I hope they go out and work just as hard to scream from the rooftops about Mississippi now. I hope they match that intensity. They should. I mean, and that, that should all, and again, anybody, anybody in the government, whether it be the state chamber of commerce or economic council, the governor's office, MDA, whoever it happens to be, that I think that they should always have quivers, you know, in their basket and, and, you know, for the arrows to shoot. And I believe that now having a flag that nobody can see is racist or anybody can see that would be something that may may have a negative image that, yeah, absolutely. So sell all the stuff that you hopefully have been selling already. Now this can no longer be used as a strike against you. So if you're in a fight with another state for business or for any type of commerce or for maybe movie locations or whatever it happens to be, okay, you can no longer say this about us, you know, now what's your next thing? 
Exactly. Know, what's your right. What's your next negative comment for us? And then you know we'll put it to bed. You know, so you know everybody. Hopefully, you know I'm so sure those those people are doing SWOT analysis as they go into a project. And so, all right, so this is no longer an issue. You can no longer say this is being held against us. And so now, you know, all right, you know, whoever it happens to be, other states competing against us, or people that may not want to move in Mississippi because they think you know they have some kind of negative connotation or, or image against us. This is off the table now. What's your next thing? The way I feel about it, it's okay. This we've talked about it for years. We've done this. We've been talking about it since I was in college here. So that's been removed as your uh, excuse. Uh, if, if we want to date each other, quit giving me excuses. I eliminated that as, as one of the obstacles. All right. The other thing that the state was looking at is the voting. Of course, we talked about it last time about absentee voting. Uh, they had the, the uh, election commission here in DeSoto County met. One of the things that was statewide that will be applied this year is that the AC, ACLU had filed a lawsuit saying that people with pre-existing conditions or those that did not, not feel comfortable going to voting booths on election day would be allowed to vote early. Now, we do not have early voting in Mississippi. We do ha- have absentee voting in Mississippi. What the ACLU you know, proposed, our guests were sued for, and what the courts in Jackson, Hines County Court, found was that it would be okay for the people that have pre-existing conditions can uh, use that as an excuse for absentee voting. So in other words, if you are, uh, you know, have a heart condition where, you know, you may be uh, extremely vulnerable to, to the COVID or to the coronavirus, uh, if you have um, diabetes, diabetes, if you have something like that, where you think that exposure could affect you at the voting booth because there's, you know, multiple people in there, which I'm assuming there will be a, a large turnout or normally would have been a large turnout because of this presidential election, that you can now f- use that as an excuse to absentee vote. Beforehand, it was only, you know, if I was going to be out of town, if I had a scheduled surgery for that week or something like that, you could absentee vote. Well, now they're allowing you to use uh, the uh, absentee voting. Now, I don't know if that will go to appeals. I don't know if they'll let it go straight through, but please check that, that they may could be used as a... um as a excuse to allow you to absentee vote. Absentee voting in DeSoto County starts September 21st. And so, you know, those will have to be you know, taken to the courthouse and turned in early if that's what you know you decide to do. But that was decided on yesterday on the state level. Uh, very interesting. I mean, they moved very quickly on that, obviously with the election rapidly approaching. They, they pieced it together and, and it is what it is. I mean, so uh, there's a lot of talk out there in the national media, a lot of talk about the concern over mail-in ballots. So uh, this is a step towards uh, some kind of a uh, meet in the middle type situation. So um, it's it's interesting. I mean, I, I get it. I understand that it allows uh, for, it still doesn't allow for mail-in balloting, which we can, we can sit here and talk about that. And, and I, I've, I've worked closely with the Postal Service in my previous life for a few years. And so as as well as those uh, men and women do at the Postal Service, um, I, I mean, I, I have my concerns about mail-in balloting myself. So again, uh, the 21st, please check to make sure uh, if, you, if this is something that may interest you, check with DeSoto County, check with, make sure there's been, you know, nothing, if, if it's it's, you know, is statewide if it's just going to be limited to the Jackson area because it was a Hines County court that decided it. So just kind of look for that. And then, uh, but again, you have to the 21st. And again, any other update on that, we will have uh, on this show. And Derek, I think the most important thing that you and I would both agree with is however you want to vote, please vote, Go get out, involved. Yes. I'm not saying get involved in campaigns and stuff like that. I'm not saying that. You do not have to tell anyone who you vote for. Uh, when the ballots, when you're standing there with your ballot, the uh, the, the curtain is closed per se. So, uh, but but still vote. It's a, it's a right that many and women for the last over 200 years have fought for and, and battled for, and it's something we should take serious and, and get out there and cast our vote for our, our voice to count. Yeah, we've got, again, two months before the election, November 3rd, so literally almost two months from today. You know, we'll have more talk about this. We'll probably have a couple of interviews going into that, you know, so just you know, be ready for that. But yes, please exercise your right to vote, at, you know, especially presidential election that comes up every four years. Yeah, we actually have our first guest next week will be our first guest involved in that uh, November 3rd election, so we have more information coming up on our Tuesday, not Tuesday show for that. So we 
we do, we'll have our first guest who will be involved statewide in the uh, November 3rd election. Podcast brought to you by The Print House, located at 2462 Church Street, right here in Hernando. The Print House is your one-stop shop for printing services. Whether it's business cards, banners, screen printing for t-shirts, as well as a showroom full of all your vinyl and t-shirt needs, The Print House is your place. Whether it is a new logo or marketing plan for your business, or a large order of t-shirts for your family reunion or church group, the ladies at The Print House can help. Simply give them a call at 662-298-3105. That's 662-298-3105 for any printing help you need. Podcast also brought to you by Precision Services, located right here in Hernando. Whether you're a real estate flipper or a homeowner, With simply too much in your yard, Precision can help. They specialize in residential or commercial renovations. With over 20 years' experience in the demolition, junk removal, and construction business, Precision is eager to bid on your next project. Give them a call at 662-469-4189. Mention the podcast and get 5% off your estimate instantly. That's 662-469-4189. Well, on Tuesday, we previewed two of the Alderman meeting that were happening. Of course, it was the first Tuesday on Tuesday. So the first one, we'll look at the Hernando Board of Aldermen. Hernando Alderman, this was the a public hearing for the annual budget for 2021. Before that, there were a couple other things. Uh, I'm just going to touch on some of the highlights. One of the part of the budget, of course, is the garbage collection for the city. The, they had a vote. There were three bids on the vote. Uh, Waste Connections will be the uh, garbage, I guess, uh, company for the next 12 months. It was a 3-2 vote bid approved. Uh, it was kind of a close vote. Uh, it was the lowest bid, but there was another bid that had an asterisk that could have made it lower, but they didn't like the way it was handled, or I guess three of them did not like the way it handled. So it was a 3-2 vote. There were two aldermen who were absent during the meeting, uh, so that was based, that was approved. Uh, another thing was is that Pickering Professional Engineering Service was uh, selected for the sewer for the new AWG large warehouse that's on 51, and so uh, Mayor Ferguson was authorized sign those contracts uh, and then of course the uh, the soccer the soccer Hernando Express the soccer club in Hernando uh, they uh, signed an agreement with the uh, director, Blake Cooper, for another year. But the main part of the meeting, of course, as I mentioned, was the budget. A good hour and a half conversation, probably, uh, back and forth. They had each of the department heads come up to present their budgets. And if you remember, the last time the meeting was very short by the, in, on August 18th because there was basically $900,000 over budget and the, the Alderman were like, look, we don't want to see it again until it's you know, closer to, to balancing. Well, they did. They were able to cut about $474,000 uh, of that $900,000 shortfall. Uh, and so there's still Still about $416,000 over budget, which they'll have again until the 15th to come down to to agree upon. There's a lot of good discussion. Uh, one of the first things that came out was that the retail, uh, the sales tax for Hernando, this is the largest it's ever been uh, in any year that they've had. The projected sales, you know, again, because we're projecting to the end of the year. We don't, the year end goes from October 1st to September 30th. So they are projecting through the end of this month. And it usually is about two to three months behind on what's actually received. But they are projecting the largest sales tax for the city, uh, basically in their history. And that, you know, that may surprise some of you because there have been some things shut down. A lot of the restaurants were shut down for about a month or so with a takeout only. And then, of course, the, the retail shops were also shut down. So, you know, there was uh, some discussion on how that could be. But the main, there's three main things. Number one, everybody went to Kroger multiple times. They were always worried about toilet paper running out. They were always worried about milk, about meat. And so, you know, Kroger was, you know, had a, a we're having a record year. Same thing for Walmart, obviously. Walmart had the same thing. They were constantly running out of stuff because people were constantly going. So the money that you might not have spent uh, at restaurants, or at, at retail shops for April and May, you were spending at Kroger and at Walmart. 
the other issue, I mean, an issue, but the other uh, income stream that was also new was, of course, the new car dealership, uh, Principal Toyota of Hernando. That was also, you know, sales, you know, cars have been selling since January. I think they actually officially opened in February. And so those, you know, that's obviously helped. I mean, you have, when you're selling cars at $30,000 a pop, that's going to help your, your, your sales tax. So it is looking like, so our top line is looking good. The problem is, is that there are shortfall, in, and that's, again, that's only sales tax. There are shortfalls in other areas. You know, they're, um, they're getting, you know, lower amounts of taxes elsewhere. Some people, you know, haven't been able to pay property taxes because of the issues. And so there is some drag there. Uh, one of the other things, though, that is helping are the building permits. Uh, there have been uh, over 200 building permits so far in Hernando uh, for 2020. 20. And so that's, you know, there, there are fees that are, you know, uh, obtained every time building permits are issued. And so there's been about $215,000 more in building permits this year. So there's been some positive things. However, again, the, the budget is still short. Uh, the police department, um, you know, he came up there, was talking about things that he needed. Uh, they, they, there's a wall that needs to be torn down. Uh, They're actually trying to keep the number of police officers the same at 37, which he did point out, the chief did point out, it's 15, probably 15 less than we need to be based on a city of our size. But the budget is what the budget is. And so they're not able to do that. They have been able to maintain with what they have. They've done a great job. And a lot of the, the police time, unfortunately, is we have in the county, we are the largest, we have the most frontage of interstate. Counties now have to patrol the interstates, or at least DeSoto County does. So in other words, you don't have MDOT, uh, you don't have uh, the Highway Patrol servicing our roads anymore. It is uh, specifically designated to the local police department. And so Hernando has this you know, entire stretch of 55 going from you know, the city limit uh, south, you know, just south of the exit of Hernando, all the way to uh, basically you know, north, all the way to Nesbitt exit. And then you have it from basically two-lane road uh, all the way to Getwell Road. So that's a lot of interstate that our police police have to patrol that is basically it's in the city so of course but it's also major interstate so when there's a wreck there's a major wreck basically there's 10 15 cops there that are taken from other parts of the city so it's causing a lot of issues they know about it we do not qualify to run radar right now, which I found very interesting. The, on the interstate. On the interstate. Police cannot run radar on the interstate because the, at the last census, we were under 15,000 people. And if you have under 15,000, you're not allowed to run radar. So again, at this census being taken right now, so again, as we talked about last time, please fill out your census ballot. But assuming that we're going to be over 15,000 people, which I, I would be shocked if Absolutely. we're not three or four thousand over that, you know, at that point, then the police department would be able to run radar on the interstate. Now, of course, some of y'all are probably thinking, well, that's terrible. I like to go, you know, I like to go about 80, 85 heading to, you know, my job in Memphis. I understand that. But, you know, for safety purposes and again, for o- police overtime, pulling police from other parts of the city, you know, it, it's a thing that's needed on the interstate. So we, we, we're looking forward to that, you know, once the census is permitted, uh, pres- excuse me, presented in uh, December and then will be going into effect next year. Uh, a couple other things. The police chief went up there. A couple things that they're asking for. But again, did a pretty good job. Auburn seemed pretty happy with what they were, had come back in, in their budget. Budget. The uh, utility department's looking for a new skid steer, so that's going to be kind of a, a large thing. But you know, this will allow them to be able to cut closer to curbs, uh, be able to you know do a couple other things that they're not able to do right now. You know, and then I'm trying to think. Other than that, there wasn't a lot of really wasn't any more cuts they could find. There was a contingency of about two or three hundred thousand dollars that are still in there, which you know you do need a contingency. Uh, they did talk about overlay the overlay budget, the overlay budget. There's still some money in the overlay budget, so we'll see what that looks like for next year. But overall, 
Again, they're about still about $416,000 over. They'll probably look to have a special meeting on September the 9th, uh, which is next Wednesday night, to further talk about this because, again, it has to be passed by September 15th. Uh, it, that's, it's by law. They have to have the budget presented and approved by September 15th. Started out over $900,000 in, in over. Said don't bring it back without major cuts or until it's down that amount. Cut out over almost half a million dollars in the budget. Another meeting on September 9th to try and get it even closer. So who knows? The truth will probably be somewhere around the 200000 300000 thousand dollar range right to where it's a little bit over budget and they've figured out from there but department heads seem to be working as hard as they can to uh, to get it where it is and you and I continue to, to, to talk to people uh, e- each and every week and, and they talk about how much they enjoy hearing about the alderman meetings planning commission meetings again people you can watch these uh, meetings and Derek's going to mention the alderman meeting in South Haven in just a moment but you can watch these meetings about an hour after their first and third Tuesday meetings right there on YouTube to stay involved or stay up to date on what's going on in your local local community, in your local government for these uh, Alderman meetings, uh, the mayor, you know, all those different type things. Shout out to those people for, for working hard to keep Hernando going. Well, one other thing I did leave out, the, the Parks Department, of course, also presented their, their part. Again, Alderman didn't seem to have really any issues. There was a couple of questions about the signs that used to hang up at the ball, the baseball fields, the sponsorship signs, where those are. Parks Director said that he does have them, that uh, they need to be put back out, probably resold. Alderman said, hey, look, I'm, I'm ready to buy one, but you got to ask me. And so hopefully that'll be done and that could be you know, some fundraising for the parks. And I do know that the Soccer Association, their uh, signs, their sponsorships run on a four-year term. And so those will actually be up for, I guess, re-sponsorship next spring after the election. It, those signs run the length of the board. Uh, and so since this board will be up for election next year, then the Soccer Association will be looking to, you know, uh, you know, either for the same sponsors to re-up or if not, to look for new sponsors for that. So that's, an, again, another source of income for the city. Now turning to South Haven, city of South Haven, they had uh, actually looked to they had settled their public hearings on the on their fiscal year end on their budget last time and so that was uh you know basically they had come to a, a agreement and, and of course it was not approved last time because it was just a public hearing uh, on tuesday they went ahead and they approved it no issues no more discussion approved pretty quickly unanimous vote so their budget is passed it's about a 96 million dollar budget all in which you know is, is a pretty you know one of the largest budgets, obviously, in the county. And so that, that was done with no problem. They had a couple other subdivisions that had some minor alterations that were approved. There was new signage at Malone and Getwell Road coming into the city on the northwest corner. So that was also approved. It was some variants. I think they had to run some electrical to that spot in order to get the sign up. So that was approved, I think, for another $1,900. But the main thing that they talked about also dealt with Hernando. The county has come to the city of South Haven, has asked them to basically take Sweeney Road all the way to Star Landing. Road. Now, if you're familiar, Hernando has done the wraparound road from uh, the Hernando Hills Elementary School up to McInvale. So basically, has straightened McInvale out right there at Green Tea. MDOT, of course, was putting in the, part of that deal was MDOT putting in the interchange, which is happening right now and supposedly going to be ready for summer of 2021. And so you'll have that now. You're coming off the exit. Well, McInvale is then four lane from there all the way up to Pleasant Hill Road. Just north of there is Sweeney Road. It's a little offset. You can see it when you stare straight ahead. The county is asking for, for uh, South Haven to help them because some of that's county that starts right there but then ultimately it does enter the city of South Haven on the north side all the way up to Star Landing Road to go ahead and make that cut that thoroughfare through it's about a mile short of being connected and to have that done and again that would give another north uh, south corridor for DeSoto County you could actually get on Sweeney and State Road and take it all the way to Hernando 
which is fantastic, I think, uh, for both for the city of South Haven and for the city of Hernando. But it also, the city of South Haven gets a no, uh, actually direct access other than 55 and Getwell Road to 69. And so it really opens up this east side. Again, it will remove traffic off of Getwell. It will remove traffic off of 55 and it'll be able, you know, and, you know, or 55 shut down with a wreck. You can just jump on Sweeney and come south. That's the that's the good news about that. The, the, what the aldermen were concerned about, which they should have been, is that the fact that the county is asking for it now and their budget was literally passed, I think, three numbers before this came up. So obviously the split is about a $4.4 million project with the county proposing to pay 60% of that, which would be $2.5 million. South Haven paying for $1.9 million of that. Obviously they just passed their budget. There's not $1.9 million to set aside of that. That cannot be something that's looked at this year. However, the mayor was told to go back, ask questions, get more details. Alderman said that they were absolutely, that commented, yeah, we're for the project. But, you know, how much is really in South Haven is a 60-40 split fair? And so those were all questions that they had that came out. So I think that that's something that Hernando was mentioned several times about, you know, how we've benefited, what we've done, the money that we've put in for our part of it, that it would help both cities. And so I think that uh, Mayor Musselwhite did a good job explaining that. But at the same time, the Alderman were, you know, it's their money, it's their taxpayer money. Um, And so we'll see how that splits. I think that's going to be a a, a big topic of conversation over the next 12 months, and, and especially leading into the next budget session for them next August. So again, just something I want to make you aware of that it is being looked at. The city of South Haven and, and what the mayor started off by saying is that the get well ext- um, four laning is their most important thing, their number one thing, and it's supposed to be funded in fiscal year 2021. For That's from Church Road to Star Landing Road. Everybody knows what that is. It's jammed up right there. Basically, Pleasant Hill Primary, or excuse me, Pleasant... DeSoto Central. DeSoto Central, right. Anyway, so just th- that elementary school, which escapes me right now, all the way north to uh, Church Road. That's a, that's a um, that's their number one need, and it's supposed to be started this year. So yeah, they got some neighborhoods going right there at Star Landing Road right there. So that's important. Those neighborhoods, like you said, let's get them. Let's get a four lane from Church Road all the way to so, Star Landing. You know, so those of y'all that travel get well. That'll be great news. Probably two years from now, but for this next twelve months, it's gonna be a nightmare. So right. just you know, prepare for that. But that is that's their that's where their money is going this year. So the Sweeney Road extension probably and that be project will begin. Because it was yes. passing this budget, so yes. th- this 2020 2021 budget, the four laning from on Getwell Road should happen. That's that's yes, right now. Gotcha. Uh, unless there's engineer issues or something like that. Yes. All right. So again, that's just uh, as Matt said. Please go every a week or every other week if you want to and watch those. We'll be happy to cover them here, of course, because I know that some people are not able to. Some people may not want to sit through watching those, but we, you know we don't mind doing it for you. You know we can let you know. But this is this is going on. This affects you. This affects your everyday life, travel life. Affects you know businesses coming to town and. And so there'll be some of those that'll be coming up. So again, just look for that, uh, you know, educate yourself, whether it be through online reading and again, not Facebook. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I cannot stress enough. Yes, there are, unless it's a direct link to something, do not, don't go into discussions on Facebook or, 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 anything, or anything like that. Please go to the direct source to get your information. Board of Aldermen, the, the cities are doing their part to educate people and show them, hey, you can watch this and you can see exactly what was said, not just a quick snippet on Facebook or some other website or whatever telling you what the mayor said or didn't do or the alderman said or didn't do. Just go to YouTube and watch it. If you can get on Facebook, you can get on YouTube just the same way. And actually, you can actually watch YouTube on most of your televisions now, so it's even better. You can watch it in 65-inch high, de- high definition. That's correct. And again, you know, and nothing makes me want to get away more than you know getting off Facebook. That's exactly right, Derek. And that leads us right into our newest uh, advertiser here on the, on the podcast. Podcast brought to you by Magical Destinations of Hernando. Whether it's that trip to Disney World, 
Universal Studios, or that tropical getaway, these ladies can help you plan the trip of your dreams. They work to get you the best rates with headache-free planning. Magical Destinations is locally owned and operated right here in Hernando. Give them a call today to start planning your magical getaway. The number to call is 901-486-1702. That's 901-486-1702. Or check them out on Facebook and Instagram at Magical Destinations Unlimited. That's Facebook and Instagram at Magical Destinations Unlimited. Again, the phone number is 901-486-1702. We'd like to thank those ladies for being our newest advertiser for the Under the Water Tower podcast. And if you're interested in advertising on our show, which is growing quite a bit each and every week, more and more listeners, the email is underthewatertowerinfo. That's underthewatertowerinfo at gmail.com. All right, Matt, what's here? It's it's football Friday, first football Friday. First, first regular season games for most every all the public schools in the, in the area. We've got nine of the ten local ten teams playing tonight, so could not be more excited. Just ready to kick this thing off. As we, as we promised you, we're going to start our, our preview. We're going to go over six of the eight teams. Uh, two of the teams have not responded yet. We hope that they respond in the next week or so, and we will be happy to pr- uh, preview them, whether it be next Tuesday at the end of our sports segment or for Friday next week before their next game. Please, uh, you know, guys, if you don't hear your name, I'm not going to say it right now, but if you don't hear one of your schools mentioned, that means we have not gotten their information yet. We would love to get their information. Uh, but for all the other six schools, we'll start covering them now. And so, uh, just again, looking forward for the season to start. That's right, Derek. We're going to start on the east side of the county. So we're going to go far east for me, and then you'll you'll break down the west schools and we'll meet kind of in the middle. Start off with Center Hill. Center Hill is uh, coached by Alan Peacock. They return two starters on offense and five to six on defense. Some of their top returning players are Preston Newson at quarterback, Darian Hobbs, outside linebacker and slot on offense, Bradley Rogers, a defensive end, Davion Greenlee, defensive back, Xavier Paler, kid goes kicker, wide receiver, and defensive back. So he doesn't nice. come yeah, he doesn't come off the, the, the field very often. And also Dylan Gavrock, offensive lineman, some of your top returning starters. So the Center Hill Mustangs kick off the season tonight with a tough task against South Haven, which we'll talk about shortly. The next school we're looking at is Lake Cormorant, Lake Cormorant Gators. Uh, they're coached by head coach Nick Nestor. Now, last year they had an eight and five record. Uh, they were second in district uh, with a six and two record, and also made it to the second round of the playoffs. So, a good season for Coach Nestor and his uh, team last year. Uh, the offense has seven returning starters, and the defense has four returning starters. The offense is led by uh, Gabe. Cavazos, and again, I, I do want to say on the front end, if, if I butcher your name, I apologize. We will get better as the season goes on. Gabe Cavazos, he's a tight end. The quarterback is Telvin Amos. Jaden Gray is a running back. Jadal Turn Maggot, running back. Jeremy Henderson, running back. And uh, this is probably one of the, Coach Nestor said, one of the most complete offenses that he's had up to, this, up to his uh, time in coaching. Uh, he's also got a really good wide receiver group. On the defense, he's led by Jermaine Wheeler. Uh, he's a 6'1", 310-pound defensive lineman. They've got cornerbacks Ke- Kevin Fragel. I'm, oh, Frail, excuse me. Kevin Frail uh, is a kicker. And then the cornerback, again, is uh, George. Cornerback Tony McCray. And again, as I said, I kind of jumped ahead. And Kevin Frail, the kicker. The defensive line is also led by Bryson Davis. He's looking for Bryson to have a really good year. I also want to mention that back on uh, the Gabe Cavazos, the tight end, is currently a Mississippi State commit. They, they've made the playoffs for the last five years, which again is fantastic uh, for the Gators and just fantastic for DeSoto County to have a team that can you know, consistently make the playoffs. The problem is they're in the same district as West Point. <laughs> and West Point has won the state championship for the last five years. Oh, wow. And so, and, and again, uh, West Point has won seven of the last ten, and then the other three during that time was Oxford with 
DK Metcalf. So it's it's tough for, unfortunately, Lake Cormorant has probably found the toughest district in the state to play in. Uh, but Coach Nestor, again, is looking forward to the, the challenge. Uh, and again, and, and you know, goal was to make it further than they did last year. Because Lake Cormorant, are they, they 5A? They're 5A, that's Right, correct. so they're 5A. All the other schools or most of the other schools in, in DeSoto County are 6A. So that's why they're in that district and not in a district with Hernando and, and Olive Branch and so forth. Speaking of Olive Branch, we turn to them now. Olive Branch is coached by Daring Bowling. But information on Olive Branch, last year they went 12 – the last two years, I'm sorry. Last year they were 9-4, and four, lost in the second round to Startville. Uh, year before that, 12-2. and two. Year before that, 12-2. and two. So 33-8 and eight over the last three years combined. Three three starters returning on defense, five on offense. Of those five, four offensive linemen, Derek. So it's good to have the, the trenches kind of covered with experience there. Tats leaders returning, running back Preston Jeffries, outside linebacker Cam Ford, K-H-A-M. Let's say Cam Ford. Uh, inside linebacker Amarion Gray and cornerback Trey Phillips, all with uh, statistics from last year coming back. Key players are captains for this year, Amarion Gray, Cam Ford, Trey Phillips, Preston Jeffries, which we all mentioned. Also senior offensive lineman Landon Howard, DJ Young, and Christian Phillips. And then also Alex Morena, uh, offensive lineman. Quarterback Ty Walton will be the starter this year, and Braden Wright. Braden Wright. So again, 33-8 and eight over the last three years uh, combined. Olive Branch has just been a, a consistent, tough team to play, tough team to beat in, in DeSoto County. So shout out to those kids uh, and the Conquistadors on a healthy and uh, productive season. Alright, next we'll look at South Haven. So just a natural city rival for Olive Branch would be South Haven High School. Uh, the Chargers last year went three and eight. They were two and four in district. Head coach, they're coached by head coach Eddie Stevenson. Again, Coach Stevenson has a pretty good group back, especially coming back on offense. The offense is led probably by the what I, I was told and what I probably believe is the best wide receiver core in the state. Uh, they have three seniors. Isaiah Brevard is the number one receiver in the state, the number one ranked receiver. He is currently committed to Oregon. The uh, next receiver is Derek Massey. And the third receiver is Jeremiah Kimbrough, who is the fastest wide receiver in the state. He actually won the state 100 meters a couple years ago. Of course, this uh, actually, I'm excuse, sorry, came in second. Last year, he was set to probably, you know, look to be the favorite in the 100 meters. Of course, the track season was canceled due to the coronavirus. Coronavirus! So to, uh, you know, officially established that, but the, the coach thinks and the fact that he's a senior, he does believe he's the fastest wide receiver in the state. So just a great group of receivers that South Haven has. Uh, the quarterback is Jordan Hibbler. Uh, he's also a senior. So again, great uh, offensive, uh, you know, just uh, skill positions there for the South Haven Chargers. They are looking to, uh, they do have kind of a young offensive line. They are looking to, they had an offensive lineman who, uh, went to Indiana, that graduated, went to Indiana over this past year. Uh, and their running back is going to be running back by committee. Uh, they've got Jalen Mays, and then another running back is C.J. Gray. Again, it's going to be kind of a running back by committee. Not one of them has really stood out yet. And so they'll be kind of uh, both handling the duties this year. On defense, uh, some of the, the guys they're looking for are Nick, Nick's Jeans linebacker, Aaron Bryant. Aaron Bryant on the defensive line, he looks like he'd probably be a D1 guy. Safe sophomore, excuse me, sophomore safety, John Slaughter. John Slaughter, safety, who's a sophomore, who's really you know been showing out here in fall practice. So Great name. Uh, what positions does he play? Safety. Oh, Lord. Just yes. the Slaughter. Yeah, we're going to pay attention to that kid. Yeah, so Absolutely. John Slaughter. The kicker this year, they, they went for two every year. They did not have a kicker last year. Uh, they went with the no-kick uh, plan. Yes, they had to go for two every time, but this year they have pulled guy off the soccer team, Logan Murphy. Logan Murphy with the kicker. He uh, actually they had a scrimmage last week. He made the extra point. So very excited. The coach said we have not attempted a field goal yet. Was able to make an extra point. So this year they will be attempting extra points. So that's uh you know good for them. Hopefully if they could get that you know automatic point on the board, you know that can you know going for two and not getting it all the time can really cost you. So again just looking for some uh, improvement. Obviously you know he wants to make the, looking to make the playoffs this year. Uh, three and eight record. And then but his number one goal this year besides making the playoffs is not to miss any 
many games due to COVID. That's a good goal. Because and, and let me tell you why he said because if you you know obviously you'd be out two weeks. Of course, sure. Un- unfortunately, North Point's having to deal with that right now. If you're out two weeks, you know there's no because Mississippi's already been pushed back two weeks. They're not able to make up those games. If those are two district games, that's two forfeits. Right. And so he said that no team in the district can afford that. They will count those as forfeits. If if one team can, is a healthy and can healthy, play, and yeah. the other one is yes, they, they that will be considered a oh, loss. Wow. That's according to South Haven coach. That's very interesting. I mean, that's an opportunity for some teams that just literally by luck to possibly get a W over some teams that they, they maybe had no chance to play. It seems like South Haven just get the ball to the senior wide receivers. It's pretty amazing when you said the number one receiver is not the fastest guy, which is amazing to me. So, I mean, speed is something you can't teach. You and I both played football. There was nothing worse than just knowing you cannot catch that kid. Oh, it's, it's absolutely He's gone. He's gone. Miserable. I mean, you're just, you're just, you're just part of the highlight reel. Hey, you know? Go. Exactly. Number 85 is just chasing number seven, whatever. It's just done. But uh, anyway, turning our attention now to the Soto Central Jaguars. Last year's record for D.C. was 6-5. and five. Not sure it doesn't say here if they made the playoffs or not. But good thing, Derek, they returned 10 starters on offense, which you and I both know experience is a big deal uh, in the high school ranks. 10 starters on offense, 7 on defense. So wow. 17 out of 22 kids coming back. Some of the offensive stats or offensive leaders for this year uh, will be Jason Curry uh, as the quarterback, receiving Branson Titanois, Caleb Bailey. Rushing will be Richard Coleman and Marquise Fields. Those are going to be your offensive leader, skill players. Defensive, Branson Titanois is mainly a defensive starter. He's doing both. He's receiving and he's a stud on defense as well. Julian Bing and then Ryan Musselwhite. Musselwhite will probably recognize the name uh, more than likely the mayor's son. I would assume. Yeah, I would assume so. So key players, Jason Curry, Branson, Branson Titanois, Richard Coleman, Marcus Fields, Julian Bing, Owen McCoy, and Ryan Musselwhite. Outlook or goals for the season uh, for Coach, improve every day and stay healthy. Again, he's back to the stay healthy. And uh, make the most of the opportunity we are given. So, Derek, you and I talk about a lot the the, the coaches and the opportunities they have to to impress on these young people. And uh, the last part right there is a big deal. Just make the most of of the opportunity that we're given. Whether you're playing four games or 14 and holding a trophy over your head, make every one of them count. That's right. I mean, you know, just again, just having a chance. And that's uh, something that our next school that we'll look at, uh, that was actually one of the things that he said. Um, and, and we'll get to that in just a moment. So the last school that we're looking at today, uh, again, this is the sixth school that we're going to preview. Uh, and the, the other two schools that you did not hear, again, please give me your information. We'll be happy to do it on Tuesday or next Friday. But that's the Lewisburg Patriots. Uh, Lewisburg is uh, coached by Coach Gerke. Uh, they were 4-8 and eight last year uh, overall. They were 2-5 and five in district. Uh, their returning starters are quarterback J.D. Green, uh, running back, Matt, here we go, running back Blake Speed. Blake Speed. Blake Speed. And Jason Hoffman, tight end Cole McKinney. Uh, their wide receivers are Dallas Dallasmith, Chet McDaniel, and Cannon Morgan. And their offensive linemen are Scott St. Alvin, Connor Cantrell, and Devon Hill. So they've got uh, about ten returning starters. What the coach uh, said, they have a hundred percent of their offense returning. So hundred percent. Now hundred percent of the offensive production. Obviously, they they, they didn't lose a lineman, but hundred percent. So ten returning starters and hundred percent of the offensive production. Uh, on defense, they have uh, linebackers Jason Hoffman going both ways, uh, and Josh Pack, and then defensive linemen. Uh, also, Scott St. Alban, who also is playing uh, both ways. Now, Scott St. Alban is 6'7", 275. So, you understand why he's playing both ways. 6'7", 275. Uh, so, a really big kid. Uh, so, And then um, he does they, – they feel pretty good about the wide receivers, uh, about just about the offense in general uh, because of everybody, all the production coming back. On the – another couple players on defense, they have, as I mentioned before, returning starters. But they also have uh, Josh Pack, uh, which I just mentioned. He's the inside linebacker. And then the outside linebacker, of course, is Jason Hoffman. They also feel good. A couple more players he wanted to have mentioned was uh, Matt St. Alban. This is Scott's brother. Uh, he's younger, uh, but it feels pretty good. Uh, and then uh, Jonathan Newton will be helping out on defense too. They will be rotating nine defensive linemen. 
So just a lot of keeping, trying to keep the guys fresh uh, throughout the season. That's a good thing. Uh, they have all new special teams. They, uh, their former kicker was a uh, – actually, they're kicking now at Northwest. And so they're having to replace – he was both the punter and the kicker, so he's having to be replaced. Three guys uh, uh, fighting over that kicking spot, so they'll be looking for both a punter and a kicker from three, three different guys they're looking at. Uh, his two goals, number one, to get into the playoffs. you got to be in it to win it. That was his quote. Uh, and then the other one is to have a successful year, to be able to play a full season. That's it. So, again, the third coach that said that is just stressing the fact that, you know, hey, look, let's just let – you know, please, guys, do what you need to do to let us be able to play a full season. Yeah, and you and I have talked about it. I mean, other shows I listen to throughout my week has, has said that about the college ranks. Not to judge the new coaches, especially the Kiffins, the Leeches that are, that are coaching in their first year. Uh, man, we just play the games. Just each and every week, you know, hope and pray that these kids are healthy and, and hope that COVID-19 things are not stopping uh, things in their track because it's so important to get these games in and uh, and have these kids have an opportunity. Like I just said a few minutes ago, whether you, you, you go 0-10 or you're holding the trophy over your head, you still uh, got an opportunity to go out there with your teammates and with your friends. And, and make some memories. And those are things that you never, uh, ever want to take for granted. A couple of old guys here on the podcast, if you're a younger person listening to to us, uh, enjoy every snap of your senior season. I mean, it, it just it, it flies by. Every snap, cheerleaders, band, dance team, et cetera. If you're out there and you have an opportunity to be on a, fo- uh, a football field on a Friday night somewhere across the county, across the United States, don't take it for granted. Enjoy every second of it. And uh, we want to wish you guys the best of luck in, in this season. So, again, like Derek mentioned a couple of schools we didn't uh, mention tonight uh, or th- today. Uh, Going to work on getting their information and include them soon. But just a uh, DeSoto County football is, is some really strong football, Derek. The names that you mentioned, some of the kids up in South Haven, I had no idea that those kids are, or, or they had a kid committed to Oregon. Talent is there. So get out and support your local high school uh, football teams. Um, if you if you don't have a team, you, you know where their stadiums are. Uh, you can look up their schedules by anywhere on the internet, really. Or listen to our podcast. Or listen to our Friday. podcast, the number one rated podcast in DeSoto County. Uh, just a quick shout out there. But anyway, just listen to us and we'll tell you what games are going on and, and go out there and support these kids that are out there working hard. And uh, we just want to, again, shout out to all the administration. Shout out to Corey Usselton, the superintendent of schools, for uh, pushing forward with DeSoto County Schools. And we just we, we thank you so much. Real quick story, Derek. This morning while I was dropping off my daughter, uh, a, a school bus driver parked her bus to the left. And I sat there and watched her as she went by each and every seat, spraying down each and every seat, wiping down every seat. So the love that these people have for these kids and, and, and stuff is is there. So bus driver for bus number 388, uh, I want to send a shout out directly to her. I, I obviously didn't didn't stop her or get her name, but uh, she knows who she is. And 388 for DeSoto County Schools, uh, you are a rock star of the week. Rock star of the week. All right, so now that we've previewed the teams, that leads us to our favorite part of the week, and that's being able to make our picks versus the mascot picks. Uh, so we have a full slate of games, as we've said tonight, so looking forward to doing this. So we'll get started uh, right here where we're located. We're located, of course, under the water tower uh, in the county seat, Hernando, Mississippi. And so we'll start first and look at Hernando High versus South Panola. That's right, Derek. A battle of the Tigers happening tonight right here in Hernando. I believe kickoff at 7 o'clock. Weather's supposed to be amazing. Should be a wonderful, uh, fun experience and just thirsting for an opportunity to get out there. Got to be honest with you, Derek, though, I, I just got to go first week of the year. I mean, it's hard to pick against South Panola, just the name of who they are. Trust me, I, I hope I'm wrong. I, I just got a text a second ago that I, I, I did get uh, get a ticket, so I will I will be there uh, with my mask on and ready to watch these kids play, And but I, I've got to go with South Panola tonight. Same. I'm going to pick South Panola based on the history, based on you know, who's the user coming back. They've got you know several families there that seem to 
have a different generation of kids coming through each year. So I'm, I'm going to go with you on that one. Absolutely. So we're picking South Panola over the Hernando Tigers. Next game up, South Haven, a DeSoto County battle. South Haven plays Center Hill. So the South Haven Chargers against the Center Hill Mustangs. Look, what you just told me or what you just read to me, you can't teach speed. Got to go with South Haven to win the, uh, win this game tonight. Again, I'm with you, uh, <laughs> South Haven. I mean, you got. I mean, again, a senior uh, offensive skill set. Got you know. Again, the wide receivers. I have no idea what we don't know yet what the Center Hill cornerbacks look like, but they're going to be severely tested on the first game of the season. And so, uh, you know, just based off that, based off the senior leadership on that team, I will also go Chargers. And what you talked about earlier, Derek, uh, finding a kicker. I, I, the math on that's fairly simple. If you go for two and get it fifty percent of the time, it's the same number. So it's the same number, but again, if you know, if I, I don't know what the, I have to look and see if the. I mean, fifty fifty percent is pretty but, common, but right? It's pretty common. I mean, it's, it's a coin flip. Yeah, but if you're less literally than a coin flip, it's a literally. <laughs> but if but if you're you know if you're forty percent or thirty percent conversion rate, I mean you know getting that that one point or or if it's twelve twelve, you just scored and you know zero time left on the clock. What do you do? Do you yeah, go for co- two for the win or you go for the kick? Coach, if you're listening to me, the kid who uh, has the track speed, uh, we're gonna go down set hut him around the left side. <laughs> I mean, we're just gonna do a Z speed, run the kid, send him in motion. Send him in motion, snap, hand it to him. He outruns the poor kid from uh, Center Hill uh, around the right side and into the – just t- tell him to go towards the pylon for like five straight times and, and you're going to be just fine. Well, and if the kid reacts and goes towards the pylon, oop, stop, go inside. It's not that hard. So uh, Matt, see, Matt, Matt, you're in here and he's on the field, so we'll, we'll, we'll see what he, he comes well, up Well, you know, I, I had choices. I, I had choices. I played safety. I, w- I wasn't chasing some kid around the end. <laughs> All right, so next up, D.C., DeSoto Central playing Arlington. Not sure on an Arlington mascot. Do we know an Arlington mascot? We're going to research that. We're going to get our assistant, uh, Josh, our um, – our, our, our What's he called? Intern. Intern Josh uh, on the uh, – Sorry, on intern Arlington. Josh. Right, intern Josh on the thing. D.C. versus Arlington. You know, Derek, I'm going to go let's, – let's go, let's go Jaguars. Let's go Jaguars. Oh, definitely Jaguars. Oh, look, it's a county school. I mean, if we're, if we're pulling if – if, if it's DeSoto County versus Shelby County, DeSoto County every time, twice on Sundays – Soda County. Right. Well, exactly. Let's not forget the Shelby County schools uh, aren't even playing. They're 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 not even home. So, I guess a school located in right, Shelby exactly. County. Not Shelby County has their own school district. But I'm just saying, uh, what a mess. But anyway, uh, yeah, we're gonna go DC Jaguars over Arlington. Uh, we don't even need another mascot. I don't think I don't think they even need to show up to play because the Soda Central is gonna rail on them tonight. So that's a that's a so we're we're three. Uh, yeah. So we're going there. Next up, Lewisburg. This is easy. Lewisburg Patriots versus the Bahia Chiefs. Lewisburg Patriots versus the Bahia Chiefs. Again, what you just described to me, Lewisburg brings back all their offense except for an offensive lineman. If you can roll the ball out there your first or second practice and everybody knows where to go, that makes a world of difference. Patriots. It's, it's the Patriots all day against Bahia. Patriots in a big big way, they roll tonight. Next, we got Magnolia Heights versus Heritage Academy. Magnolia Heights versus Heritage. They are traveling on the road. 2-0 and o, Magnolia Heights. 2-0, and o, not only 2-0 and o, Magnolia Heights, but a literally – Laid the wood to every team they've played. I don't see it being much different tonight. I'm going to go Magnolia Heights. I believe they're ranked fifth in the state overall for private schools. So um, we're going to go Chiefs large tonight. Right. And look, we know Magnolia Heights is not in DeSoto County, but Magnolia Heights has a lot of DeSoto County kids that go to Magnolia Heights. So that is uh, why we, we are covering Magnolia Heights or bringing them into this group because DeSoto County has a lot of kids that go there. So wish the Chiefs luck tonight in Columbus against Heritage. So uh, next move, Olive Branch. We're going Olive Branch Conquistadors versus Holmes County. Again, Derek, Olive Branch brings back a lot. 33-8 and eight, uh, combined over the last three years. Uh, they just know how to win. Uh, this is a beatdown. Olive Branch Conquistadors win big over Holmes County. The Holmes, the Holmes County, the Blue Devils. We got, the, we got some Blue Devils football, but uh, I agree. Olive Branch has been consistent, consistent winners, consistently making it deep into the playoffs. 
uh, and again, won it, I think, what, five, six years ago, uh, and so uh, won the whole thing. So again, I, I'm, I'm with the Keisters. We'll go with the Keisters. Derek, you and I used to live in Olive Branch for a, a time, and some of those players we used to watch go, uh, go watch play went to Ole Miss. They may even have kids playing now. That just tells you how old we are. <laughs> I mean, look, that, that South Panola Olive Branch game was something to see. Back oh, absolutely. In the day. We, it was about four or five deep when we used to go to that game, so that was a, a lot of fun. Next up, Lake Comorant versus Sanatobia. So, Lake Comorant Gators versus the Sanatobia Warriors, a local battle here. Uh, we have a lot of Sanatobia uh, listeners from what we can tell on our statistics and, and the, the messages we get uh, at the uh, Under the Water Tower email. So, uh, but again, we're going to keep picking DeSoto County schools. So I think DeSoto County has a strong show in this week. So I'm going to go with the Gators. Gators. I mean, again, they're eight and five last year. They're they're bringing back several of their players. Coach is really looking forward to it. They 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 battle tested every year. Uh, West Point, Oxford. You know, they've done that. Of course, Oxford's moved up now, but they've been battle tested in the past. And again, they play in a very tough district. I think they're going to use this as a warm up game. Gators. Gators. Take the Gators right there. Uh, last game of the night: Horn Lake versus Lafayette. Horn Lake versus Lafayette. You know, Lafayette's been strong the last several years, Derek. They just have. I know we've been picking DeSoto County teams, and, and that's maybe for a selfish reasons, but i, I got to go with Lafayette on this one tonight. I think Lafayette's going to win this one. I also agree. Lafayette's got a great history. They've had some strong players. Of course, a couple of them now playing at Ole Miss at the schools. So, But Lafayette, them and Oxford always had a great rivalry, very close games. Uh, and again, I would don't know much about Horn Lake. You know, I know Horn Lake a couple a year or two ago was very strong. Uh, actually, won the whole thing. But uh, I know they've lost those players that were key parts of that team. And so, may I'm looking for a rebuilding year. Hope to, hope to find out soon. But uh, I'm going to go with Fayette. Uh, and another good pick right there. And again, uh, coaches, if you didn't hear your if you didn't hear your preview. Uh, please email us back. We have uh, emailed some things out, whether it be to athletic directors or football coaches and so forth. So Lord knows you're busy, uh, but at the same time, just a simple response to our email would be appreciated. So we can get your names out, get the kids mentioned on the Under the Water Under the Water Tower podcast, which, as we mentioned, is the fastest growing podcast in DeSoto County. So uh, that that uh, to coaches and administrators, um, that's that's a fact. And uh, also, that's also something for advertisers. Pay attention to that too. We are the fastest growing podcast in DeSoto County. So Derek, what a fun time. Um, discussing this and the opportunity to, to break down these things. So go, going back through them, we're taking South Panola Tigers tonight over Hernando. We're taking South Haven over Center Hill. We're taking DeSoto Central over Arlington. Lewisburg over Bahelia. Magnolia Heights is going to move to 3-0 and against Heritage. The Conquistadors against Holmes County, we're taking the Conquistadors. The Gators of Lake Cormorant versus Sanatobia, we're taking the Gators. And then we feel like Lafayette is going to beat Horn Lake tonight. So we'll let you know how all our, our picks go. But at this time... It's time for the Mascot Battle Royale. That's right, Derek. We're going to do three games this week. Uh, we're going to do the DC, DC Jaguars versus the Arlington Tigers. So I mean, it, it's Jack Warbers, one. this is a great, this is a great battle. Absolutely, I mean, this is something you want to turn on National Geographic when you're sitting at home in quarantine, like uh, like North Point. So Jaguar, Jaguar, smaller. Yeah, it's smaller, definitely they're, smaller. They're, they're probably so small they're going to be a little stealthier. They they mostly they mostly come out at night. That's what I mean. They're yeah, they're nocturnal. obviously they're yeah. mostly usually black. Uh, so they'll be at night hanging up in trees in the daytime, kind of sleeping it off. At night they come out. Are they kind of a well? There's black jaguars, you know. Like I think that's what's in Mexico and, and, and Central America. But then you also have the spotted jaguars. But they're mostly in trees, kind of coming down every so often. Okay. But then you also have a tiger. Now tiger, tiger's going to outweigh the jaguar by a couple hundred pounds. Tigers yeah. are huge. I mean, they're four or five hundred pound cats. I mean, I got to you know. I mean, as much as I'd like for, to pull for the jaguar in this battle, it's got to be the tiger. You know, I would agree. I think that the only shot that a jaguar would have is to basically come around it, jump on top and try to get that neck bite but if you miss that one neck bite it's over uh, the tigers I, are just so big I mean, yeah i mean they, they may even roll you they may shake you I, I, right. tiger it's yeah, a tiger it's tiger tiger going on that one next up we're going to lake cormorant gators 
versus the Sanitobia Warriors. Uh, so Gator versus the Warrior, Derek. Like we said uh, earlier in, off air, you know, it's all it's all about getting the Warrior to it's the all water. About, to the water. If the warrior, if if the gator can get the, if the warrior comes down, uh, horse is sitting there getting a little drink of water, gets off, he's just letting the the, the horse drink the water. It's gator all day long. I mean, it's yeah. Not- if, if this if this is a if it starts raining tonight and we we get sloppy, you got to go gator all night long. If it's a if it's a dry game, so now you're talking about a warrior in an open field versus a gator. A gator crawled on land, kind of got stuck. You know, the, the warrior's trying to get that hide, make a belt out of it, something like that. It's a fair fight. It's a fair fight, you know. Now, is the warrior? Are we talking hand-to-hand combat? Are we talking he has a spear? That's tough. That's a tough one. Um, you know, I'm gonna say if if he spears it, obviously, but if if he misses, which you know, throwing a spear is pretty tricky. Yeah. And then he takes off. That's a loss, right? I mean, if you run from the gator because you've got nothing left, that's a loss. Yeah. I mean, a gator get. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, right. I mean, even but if what? Hey, what, gator, what could a warrior do with a gator scout? Man, that would be awesome, wouldn't it? I mean, you got belts and boots. Boots. Oh man, look at a nice pair of gator boots. Well, warriors don't wear boots though. Well, maybe has a nice pair of moccasins. You're both taking moccasins. <laughs> warriors are the exact like warriors wear opposite of it. Yeah, I don't, warriors and cowboy boots do not go yeah, well. Yeah, probably they, they they're probably avoiding the gator. I'm gonna say they're avoiding gators pretty yeah, much their yeah. entire life. They're not not really the hides that they want to use. Gators, gators. So we're going we're going tigers uh, over the jaguars. War, uh, gator is going to beat a warrior. And then the last one, we're going to do Hernando versus Sal Panola, Tiger versus Tiger. We're going to cop out. We're going to keep it simple. You'll never know who which one we picked, but we're going with the tiger. Over the tiger in the uh, mascot. I mean, when a tiger fights a tiger and a tiger loses, the tiger tiger definitely wins. I mean, right? Because the, the tiger one tiger is going to die yeah, or run away. Other tiger is going to be left standing. Therefore, a tiger is always going to fight a tiger when tigers battle. So we're going with the tigers uh, for the for the last one. So three picks there for our mascot uh, battle royale challenge. And again, that's something we're going to do each and every week. Definitely our longest show of the of the year so far. But we're doing a lot of previews. We had a lot of stuff to talk about. So thank you so much for joining in this week and listening to us uh, as we continue to grow uh, at a tremendous pace uh, each and every week. So if you like what you heard, please uh, join us on Facebook at UTW Podcast. That's UTW Podcast on Facebook. Instagram at UTW Podcast and Twitter at UTW Pod. That's UTW Pod on Twitter. Best place, really, uh, Facebook, UTW Podcast. Uh, we've started getting a lot of uh, messages and a lot of things people enjoying the show. But most importantly, please go to the bottom of your podcast provider, whichever the one that might be, and hit subscribe so you get so it'll tell you exactly when we put out a new show, which is typically on Tuesdays and Fridays. Derek, just a fun show, a uh, great opportunity. Again, before we sign off, an opportunity to say good luck to these young people uh, that are involved on Friday nights. My daughter loves uh, Friday night football games. And uh, so she's really looking forward to it. Uh, something, Derek, about three weeks ago when we first started, you mentioned uh, an opportunity to embarrass your daughter and, and give her a happy birthday. Uh, I've got to say, I uh, just got uh, a text that my daughter had run for executive vice president at uh, Hernando High School, whatever that is, and uh, and she ran for it and actually won. So shout out to Congratulations. Hannah Grace. Yeah, thank you. You, you, you know Hannah Grace. Uh, I mean, you love her like a daughter, uh, just just a good kid. And, and I just want to say uh, thank you to her and, and just – Thank you for being a good kid and how much, how proud I am of her. And really, Derek, just like anybody, uh, any parent, I'm really proud of her for putting herself out there into leadership opportunities, into leadership roles. Her mom and I are just so proud of her. And, and Hannah Grace Crane, we're very proud of you. And congratulations on your executive vice president win today. And uh, we love you and um, just very proud of you. Keep it up. Good job. Good job. I'm Matt. And I'm Derek. Join us next time under the water tower. Dropped off a pretty soon.